Hello, and welcome to Profiles, a program that introduces interesting people from Indiana, the United States, and the world to WFIU listeners. I'm Owen Johnson. Our guest on this occasion is Kevin Wilson, the head football coach at Indiana University since 2011. Kevin, welcome to Profiles. Thank you, Owen. You grew up in Maiden, North Carolina, which has been described by somebody, maybe you, as the biggest little football town in the world. It's got a population of just under 4,000 and four stoplights. What are your memories of that town? It was a great little small town um, uh, in our in my time growing up. Uh, and I was very fortunate to have some uh, great friends, uh, kind of a unique class of, of uh, guys we bonded together. Uh, pretty good students. I had a good little athletic run with some with some guys that were, you know, dear friends and good teammates. Had a, a really good little athletic tradition, particularly in football. Uh, it's the hometown of my mother. Uh, my father's a little bit from more in the uh, in the foothill mountains up near uh, Polk County, uh, Chimney Rock, Lake Lure, Tryon, kind of a tourist area where his dad was a farmer and. He came down to that region uh, to get a job in the factories and the textile mills in the in the fifties, and uh, he and my mom met and settled in Maiden. Some again, great friends, great family, and as, as growing up, it was a it was a it was a pretty neat little football town. That uh, biggest little football town we coined that in the seventies. Not me. It's uh, if you if you Google up Maiden, you'll you'll find that uh, as, as our slogan. It's a very small town where football is a big big thing. You started playing football, organized football, I think, in fourth grade. What what was it that drew you to football? You know, the biggest thing, you know, when you, when, again, growing up at that time, and of course there wasn't all the ESPN coverage and multiple sports and whatnot, uh, the Friday night was a big event in our town. We, the town would kind of shut down. It, it wasn't like, you know, our old movie Hoosiers where everyone followed the bus, but it was comparable. And uh, matter of fact, there's a story. My, my coach one time got mad at the other team and on the way to the game said he wouldn't dress at their stadium and turned the bus around and the cars going to the game were passing the team bus coming back to our own <laughs> high school to, to dress. And he was just playing a motivational trick on, on some of the guys that were a little bit older than me. But um, it was um, a pretty unique time growing up in football was for whatever reason was was just a very big part of our community. I got uh, uh, those fourth. We played on Monday night, and I'm you know I think my fourth grade year is like seventy or seventy one. It was the year Monday night football came out, and you played a seven o'clock game. You played an eight o'clock game, and, and if you were lucky to play to seven o'clock, you would watch your buddies to eight o'clock, and nine o'clock was kind of that bedtime. But I could always trick mom and dad into let me hear Howard Cosell do the da 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 and fly from Oakland, Alameda County Coliseum. And so it was a neat little football night. We got to play on the big stadium. Those guys were my heroes. And when I grew up at that time, I wanted to be a Maiden High School Blue Devil. That's what I wanted to be. And when you were became a Maiden High School Blue Devil, didn't they win the state championship? We had a good run. We were very fortunate. My, I think my high school coach, and he's a dear friend, Owen, oh, he gets up to yeah, I bring him up in preseason. He's retired now uh, and spends a couple days. He'll come to a game or two. He'll come to spring practice for a few days. Uh, uh, he played at Lenore Ryan College for a great football coach by the name of Clarence Stasevich, and they won a national title. Uh, again, our high school run was, was very good. But in that little football town, like Mike, when you talked about peewee football, my uh, – my first coach was a, a small college All-American, and and his kid didn't play football. You know, I was one of those guys that you know, you know how many times growing up you see like you know the the dad is the coach of the team, or the dad runs the Boy Scout group, or the dad is leading the Sunday school class in church. And you know, f- you know, we had a couple guys that didn't have kids playing football that were teaching little league football because football was a big deal in our town. So had some great coaches. My high school coach won 352 games. I think we had a 33-year streak at Maiden without a losing record. It was it was a great combination of of just winning and pride and some good athletes. Uh, my sophomore year, we we went I think uh, ten and three or something. Got beaten in the semifinals to a Charlotte Catholic uh, that won the state title. Following year, we started out one one and one. Played some non-conference bigger folks and lost to a couple rivals, but a couple schools bigger than us. But then went on an 11 game run, won the the state title. Uh, in 1978, my junior year. Then my senior year, we go 10-0. and So we'd won 21 straight games. And uh, uh, we got beat 7-6. to um, We didn't seed. The, the, you know, we did have a by classification. So uh, we did have a, a classification, but it wasn't seeded. We did play one of the other very good teams. And we got beat 7-6 to the first round of the playoffs to the team that won the state title. So won a state title, had a 21-game uh, winning streak, and uh, it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun. If I remember correctly, I read that in the the year that you won the state title, you intercepted a uh, pass for a touchdown. 
I didn't know they kept all those records of that stuff. I got the uh, right before half. It was, uh, I think, 14-6 playing Tabor City, undefeated team down east. We were the Western Regional Champs. They were the Our state was divided east and west. They came out of the east bracket, and uh, they were really good, a high-powered team. Uh, long travel. It was a home game. We played home. You know, you 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 were kind of seated, and and it was the year where the West was the home state champion, so it was played at our field. And right before uh, they, the quarterback just dropped back on a pass, kind of scrambled around, was going to dump it down to a back. I was playing linebacker, kind of stepped in front of it, and a little twenty. It was a very short run, about twenty yards, so I didn't have to run too far to get caught. You mentioned Tom Brown, your your high school coach. Um, he's always spoken very highly of you. What what is it that made the two of you click together? I don't know. Um, again, as a young kid, I was touched by football. To this day, I still have a lot of respect for Coach Brown, but he's also kind of an intimidating guy. He's one of you know, certain people I call coach, and he's Coach Brown and always has been, always will be. Again, he just, um, you know, he taught PE for us. And, uh, you know, when, when and, and, and PE at Maiden at the time, it was really competitions against Coach Brown. We would go to PE class, have a ping pong tournament against him, free throw shooting contest against him. A field, a field goal competition against him, and he was kind of teaching us how to compete, you know, how to win and handle winning and losing. When we would go to health, this was before Trivial Pursuit that came out in the 80s, but we played a game that Coach called Hawks and Jocks, and he would split the class in half, and he played sports trivia. And the losing team had to come up, and we got a lick where you put your hands on the desk, and he'd give us a wallet because he was teaching us that doing well and winning was better than not than not winning. So uh, just a lot of respect for him, a very competitive person, and probably uh, – one of the few guys that touched my life in, in a very positive, very influential way. Now, many people would look at football coaches and say um, they probably weren't very good students in school, but you clicked academically. How did that happen? Again, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say intelligence because, you know, to some degree I had to, uh, you know, I had to work at it a little bit. You can look at my test scores and they're not off the chart where, you know, I'm, I'm you know, cognitively that much better than anyone. But like I said, I went – to school with a group of guys that were very good friends and we were competitive. And every time we took a test, we were trying to see who could have the best grade. And we were just trying to beat the other guy. And no one never said anything, but I knew that guy beat me on this test or I beat him or that girl got me or I got her. So it was just, it was kind of neat. It was a very competitive, but it was positive competitiveness. There was never any, like you felt in second place or you felt you outdid someone. We just had a a good group of guys that were great friends that pushed each other. And we kind of pushed ourselves in the classroom. I was lucky for that small school, Betty Blackman, my English teacher, Lucille Miller was an awesome science teacher, Earl Sight, my chemistry. We, I, had, I had a couple of really good teachers, and, uh, you know, I was going to be a teacher and I was going to be a coach. And until I went to college and found out about the GAs and being a college coach, uh, at a young age, my, my thought was I was going to be a, a, someone that coached high school athletics. I love basketball. Uh, I loved that as much as football. Uh, you know, our team wasn't as good, and I wasn't as good at that sport, but I loved it. So I was going to coach at the high school level, and I was going to be a teacher. Um, and uh, because again, I was very lucky. Not just Coach Brown. We had we had a good group of teachers at that small little school I went to. It was pretty neat. But but growing up, and I was an only child. Uh, you know, I played golf because you could play by yourself, and played at a young age. My dad got me going at four or five, and didn't play over competitively, but was very good as a young age. Played high school golf. I played basketball because I could go out by myself and shoot for hours, and I would. And I kind of laugh now because I watch a couple of my sons go out and start shooting. It reminds me of back in the day where I just wanted a, a ball in my hand. So football was the sport. It was the sport of the town. But uh, I probably had as much passion for playing basketball and golf as I did football as, as, as a young kid. You walked on at uh, University of North Carolina. Did you do that because of your desire to be a coach, or did you really want uh, yes. to play? No, uh, I, I had some opportunities. My skill set was such, oh, and I, I was probably more suited. I wouldn't recruit me to my team physically. Uh, right now, at any place, I've probably coached uh, as far as like what I what you're looking for in a football player. Uh, and my skill set probably worked a little bit better at some smaller schools. And I did have the opportunity at some of those schools for some scholarship uh, dollars. And I was a decent, you know, pretty solid high school player. But I thought at the time I wanted to coach. And I thought, one, being from North Carolina, the state, if I went to the state school, you know, I sell that in our recruiting here. There's no school better for you than your state school. Being a kid from North Carolina, I thought North Carolina was the best school for me. If I was going to be a teacher, an educator, a coach, I thought I would be very well best connected by going to the state institution. Uh, second deal, even though, so I'm going without scholarship as a state school. It was 
reasonably cheap because of those state funds and taxes that uh, that my parents paid. So um, you know, it was it was financially not a bad option. And the third deal, I knew I wanted to coach. Dick Crum was coaching there at the time. And Carolina had a very positive um, year the year before and looked like the program was pretty stable. My thought was if I knew I wanted to coach, I wanted to be influenced by the best coaches, the best strength programs, the best support staffs, and the best coaches. And the guys that I played for at North Carolina, starting with Coach Crum, Dick Crum is the head coach, through the assistants, I had no idea how that would impact me because it was a great uh, – again, when I go through all the things that happened growing up in Maiden or walking on at North Carolina – there was a bunch of really influential football guys from that little league coach, Mark Midget, to my position coach, John Matsko, that have been great, great football people in my background. It's interesting that you went to North Carolina because to some degree, I suppose the, tr- the tradition there is the same, that basketball is, is king and, and football is, is has to struggle to get fan attention sometimes. To some degree. Uh, you know, at the same time, we, you know, it was it was pretty solid back then in the seventies, and Carolina's been a little bit up and down, probably a little bit more up than than, than, than maybe we have recently here at at, at IU. But uh, like my first year, we were eleven and one, finished sixth in the nation. The next year, we were ten and two. Two years were eight and four. It was uh, um, basketball was the passion, but uh, uh, there was an, there was there was a, a decent following for football, and uh, like I say, there was a huge commitment to football, a great coaching staff, and I, I was fortunate to play with some very good players and and be on some good teams. Immediately after graduation, you started as a graduate assistant at North Carolina. So you were actually there seven years. Is that right? Yeah, I, I, I was on. I actually looked as I graduated from uh, – as, as I was graduating, I had the opportunity maybe to stay as a graduate assistant. But I was looking at some teaching jobs. A uh, Shelby High School, uh, a little bit south of my hometown, was a really strong football program. And they had an opening. And one of the coaches um, there had contacted and – um, had an opening for math. I was going to be. I was a math education guy. I thought there would be more teaching opportunities and more job opportunities instead of just being a, the typical PE coach. So I, I did the math to kind of be a little bit more marketable. Um, and so I went down and interviewed for the job. And when I came back, I know I was sitting with the football coaches, and they would look like right now, and they'd say, "Hey, hey, uh, you know, if you take that high school job, you're just coming off of bus duty right now." And then we'd do our football meetings and. We'd break for lunch, and they say, hey, guys, let's go get a jog. And, hey, uh, Wilson, if you're doing that high school, you got lunchroom duty. <laughs> you go down to lunchroom duty. So they kind of tricked me into the uh, uh, in, in, into staying there uh, and doing the GA job at North Carolina. From there, you went a route that I don't suppose many football coaches um, ha- have gone to, to Winston-Salem, to North Carolina A&T, uh, which are historically black institutions. How, what led you there? Well, one, a job opportunity as much as anything. Um for three years, you know, it's very, very difficult, uh, and you're very, very lucky uh, to get a job in the college ranks because there's just there's limited opportunities. You know, we're, we're mandated by NCAA how many coaches you can hire. So just doing a good job and working hard, they're not going to create a space for you. There's only so many legal spaces. And, you know, you you got to be very lucky to get that first – it's almost just luck. I mean, uh, it's it's like the good Lord's got a plan, and you got to work hard and work the plan. But for that opportunity to swing open, you know, I was here for three solid years. One year I was kind of a student coach my first year because I was going from math uh, into sport administration, Owen, and I had to take some, some PE and hyper-recreation type score, uh, classes after I graduated to get into the graduate program of sport administration. So it took me three years, which actually worked out pretty good. There was no job openings. Continued to work with some great coaches at Carolina. We had some solid teams. And at the end of my third year, uh, there still wasn't a job. Uh, you know, coming from Oklahoma, Bob Stoops has been awful successful. Bob was five years in this position of being a GA and being a volunteer and trying to get that first job. I'm at the end of my third year, and I was coming back for a fourth year just to be a volunteer to work in the weight room. There's some legal capacities of what I couldn't do, could or couldn't do, to just keep my college dream of getting a job open. And in the summer, uh, unfortunately, at Winston-Salem, a gentleman had passed away, and it created an opening. The head coach called someone on our staff, um, a younger coach, and said, hey, would you be interested? He had taken a job at another school, and he says, no, but I think there's a guy here pretty good. You ought to talk to him. He called me up. I was actually interviewing for a job at Indiana, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. I went up to interview for that one, came back to interview at Winston-Salem State. Uh, uh, Pennsylvania went another direction. Winston-Salem State opened up for me. This is July. Was there one year? After one season, our coach took the head job, North Carolina A&T in Greensboro, 
20, 22 miles away. Uh, so we went to another school, but it was the same coaching staff. Those two years, you know, seven years at Carolina, you think you know a lot. You're at this place with a lot of money and resources and good coaches. Those two years were huge in shaping a lot of things in the way I do some things in recruiting and in dealing with players because it got me into a lot of environments where I don't know if I would have gotten into the normal track. I was recruiting, you know, a lot of rural um, uh, kids that came from a lot of social economic situations that weren't good. I was going into the inner cities, whether it be D.C. or Atlanta, trying to attract kids to come to Winston-Salem State or A&T. So when I left there at the time, I'm thinking, well, this is not what I thought it was going to be. I'm teaching two or three classes. I'm coaching at smaller schools. There were historically black colleges. I didn't see this as my plan. Ten, 20 years down the road later, it's probably been one of the things that helped shape me the best in dealing with players and recruiting kids and relating to families because as a young kid, I was thrown into a, a situation that was a little unusual, and I had to adapt to it. And when I look back, um, uh, I don't think that was an accident that happened. I think it was a blessing, and it's helped my career a great deal. Did you find with those recruits that they didn't trust you at first? Sort of wondering, where's he coming from? You know, I that was my uh, initial. I even said it to, to the one, the head coach, when in interviewing. I said, do you think this would be a problem? He says, he goes, kids want to be treated the right way, and kids want to be coached the right way. Uh, and he goes, quite honestly, they're, they're, they're kind of used to maybe dealing with coaches that are, that are, are Caucasian more than, than African-American. He said, so as long as you're treating people with class, treating people with dignity, still being demanding, still being hard, but treating people the right way, they'll respect you. And, uh, again, I, I had a great group of guys. Uh, that first year at Winston-Salem State, we made a, won the conference championship, made a run into uh, the Division II playoffs. Troy State beat us that year. We beat Middle Tennessee State that year. So we had a heck of a good team. And, uh, like I said, I've got, some, I've got in my coaching background, some of my closest friends in coaching are guys that I work with there. And I've had some players that have done very well and stayed in, in touch with 20 years later that were part of that time right there at uh, Winston-Salem State and A&T. You, you mentioned going to Winston-Salem uh, fairly late in the summer, not too long before the season opened. When you left North Carolina A&T, you went to, to become head football coach at Ford High School, even closer to the beginning of the season. That must have been a big challenge. Well, and, and it was something, again, quite unexpected. You know, I had GA'd for three years, had worked the small colleges, and at the time I'm thinking, like, hey, I'm going to get a job at Clemson or – Go to Georgia Tech or wherever, and get, you know, or, or you know, Appalachian State, which at, at the time was a you know smaller school, but really good. East Carolina, one of those schools. I'm gonna young guy, played, did well. I'm gonna get me one of these jobs, and you know, so three years at GA, nothing much comes out of it. Go to Winston Salem State, go to A and T, working hard. Late in the summer, uh, my basketball coach um, uh, back in high school had became the principal at one of the county schools, and he said, "Hey." Would you be interested in, 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 in coming back? I've got it. You'll be the AD, no teaching, and be the head football uh, coach. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm teaching classes. I'm at the smaller schools. I guess this isn't going to work, and it's back close to home. And I can go back to where some of my friends were. I said, okay, let's do it. So we take the job. is after July 4th. we got about a week or two to get to know the team. Preseason starts. It, uh, the high school had typically always had struggled, not very good football team and we don't win a game that year we go over we're 0 and 10 got close twice and if i'd have coached a little better we might have could have won a game or two and didn't but we don't win a game and as i'm going through the season i'm um, back at home but it's not home anymore the friends have all grown up and and whatnot and everybody's changed uh, not at my high school i had a school where it's not struggle we're not doing well and the whole time i'm like you know i can't believe you know i, I left where i was so as the season ended uh, had actually made some contact back to Winston-Salem State that had an opening, back to A&T with my former boss that had an opening. And at that time, Miami of Ohio had hired Randy Walker and I, you know, and, and was trying to talk to Randy. Hey, coach, can I go with you? And, of course, Randy's deal was you took this high school job. Now you're not a college coach. It doesn't look good to the recruits and the alumni, and I wish you would have just stayed at, at, uh, at A&T at the time. So I uh, got a little frustrated at, at where I was, and the career wasn't going as fast as I wanted Matter of fact, I was just thinking about this the other day. Uh, you know, the, you know, this stage. You know, three years as a GA, two years at, at, at historically black colleges, one year as a high school coach, and nine years at Miami of Ohio. So I'm I'm in to the 16th year of my career, and I was just making fifty thousand dollars. And you know, I give scholarships to kids that are worth more than that right now. And you know, I'm I've, you know I'm, I'm a college I'm a decent high school student. I got a degree from North Carolina. I've got a master's degree from North Carolina, and I'm year I'm I'm starting my 16th year 
and 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 working and and because I think that perseverance is one of the things that's the key to being successful in anything you're doing. It had been so easy to have given up and and kind of almost did when I was at A and T. Got a little frustrated. Well, let's just go back home. And for whatever reason, it didn't work. We didn't have a good year, but I was lucky enough that uh, I immediately was like, I want to get back to the college level. I wanted where football is a little bit more important in, in someone's life. Maybe not number one, but a little bit higher on the totem pole. I almost didn't get the Miami of Ohio opportunity, but thankfully the AD and, and at Miami and Randy Walker got together and allowed me to come on board because that was then the thing that really got my career rolling. Randy Walker was somebody very special to you, I think. How would you define that relationship? I saw my dad, then probably then, and then Coach Walker, and then uh, Coach Brown, probably the three guys, uh, and there's a few others. But, you know, as a young person shaping you, uh, Miami of Ohio, Crayola Coaches, uh, you know, a place very dear to me, nine years there. I'm not from there. It's a place where the alumni take a lot of pride in coaching. A lot of former uh, students have got in, gotten into coaching and done very, very well. But, you know, when you coach there nine years, you spend more time there than an undergrad that's there for four or five years. So I kind of feel like, you know, you know, I, you know, seven years at North Carolina, then nine years at Miami of Ohio. It's a, it's, it's a big part of my life. Very young at the time, and, and Randy was, was a very good coacher of coaches and how to groom you and what we're going to stand for, what we're going to be about, what's our standard, how to communicate and work together, relationships and whatnot. And uh, at the time, you know, you're doing a lot of recruiting in the Midwest our budget was such a lot of recruiting was by car. A lot of times you would be with him shuttling around. So, you know, whether it be playing golf with him uh, or just recruiting and staff meeting, I probably I probably spent more time with him individually and at a time where you're young, you're grooming, you're growing as a coach. You're at the Crayola Coaches, which is pretty neat, pretty special place. You're recruiting Cincinnati, Dayton, Ohio, good football areas. Those Catholic schools are awesome and some great public schools. It was uh, – it was a very good time to mature, and Randy was kind of the guy kind of leading not just me, but at the time Sean Payton was on our staff. Terry Hepner was on our staff, you know, our former coach here. Sean Payton, Aaron Cromer, that's coordinator of the Bears right now, James Patton that I've hired. We, we had a very, very strong staff and, and some good assistants. I think Randy's had uh, between uh, Sean Payton, Terry Hepner, Pat Fitzgerald, and myself, Randy had four assistants that have became college or pro head coaches. Let's take a break here and listen to some music that you've chosen. Bob Seger's Roll Me Away. What, what do you like about that? A Seger guy from the 70s, you know, and um, uh, to me it's just, you know, I, I, one, I, I actually like the music more than than the words. Matter of fact, my daughters always laugh because I just make up words as I'm kind of <laughs> because I, I I do have I think a voice and and I just I've always just liked this band, liked this music, liked the vibe. And to me, that was just a, a song that kind of just took me back and got me relaxed and and got me in a positive frame of mind. Took a look down a westbound road Right away I made my choice Headed out to my big two-wheeler I was tired of my own voice Took a beat on the northern plains And just rolled that power on Twelve hours out of Mackinac City Stopped in a bar to have a brew Met a girl, we had a few drinks, and I told her what I decided to do. She looked out the window a long, long moment, then she looked into. That was Roll Me Away by Bob Seeger, music chosen by our guest on Profiles today, Kevin Wilson, the head football coach at Indiana University. You're listening to Profiles on WFIU. Production support for Profiles comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922, with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Randy Walker went to Northwestern. You went with him, and you were in the Big Ten. Was that a shock? It was. You, you kind of thought you'd made it, and you go up and you're living in Chicago and cost of living, and 
you know, budgets and fighting and trying to build a uh, program. Shoot, it was it's just harder, harder, but uh, than it was at Miami. And the more you coach, you find out no place is easy uh, uh, and whatnot. I do remember when we left the AD at the time, Joel Maturi, who since went on and was over at um, uh, Minnesota before he just here, I think retired here in the last year or two. Um, Joel met with the staff. We're leaving and said, if anybody'd like to apply for the job, let us know. And I was the offensive coordinator. Terry was the defensive coordinator. He kind of. I think flashed his eyes, I thought, at me. So afterwards, I just grabbed him. I said, like, can I talk to you real quick here? I know this job's open. I go, I think if, if I make a play for this thing, it's not going to help anyone. I think you need to hire Terry Hepner. I go, I think it'd be good for us if you didn't hire Terry because I'd like for Terry to come be our defense coordinator because I think he's great. So uh, I go, personally, I hope you don't hire him, but uh, I think you should hire him. And just so you know, our staff's going to support him because I don't think it's going to – uh, help anyone. Uh, so it kind of worked out where Terry stayed. The bulk of our staff all went to Northwestern. Uh, we were there for three years. The first year was a struggle. They had had uh, a little bit of success with Gary Barnett. Coach Barnett was there for seven years. He did have two very good years. He only had two winning seasons. So he had five losing seasons, but the 95 team out of nowhere made it to the Rose Bowl. Our Miami of Ohio team did beat them. They went 10-1 <laughs> and one that year, and the only team that they lost to prior to the uh, uh, Rose Bowl when they played Southern Cal that year was our team at Miami, Ohio. We came back in last second and beat them. I think it was 28-27 or 29-28. Beat them by a point. So um, very lucky to have, to, to have won that game. They did have a good year in 96, but they had struggled. Randy kind of came in, and we were a little bit more direct and a little bit more um, – it was just a different style. We didn't connect with the players the first year. You know, you know, they we had several guys bail out on us and quit and transfer to other schools. We had kids that were, had committed to Northwestern with the coaching change, changed their mind, and some of them followed Coach Barnett. So uh, the first year was struggled. The second year, uh, we 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 made a little switch and went to the no huddle offense, and we we did by necessity. Uh, we didn't. Uh, we wanted to run the ball. We didn't have a fullback. We didn't have a tight end. We kind of stumbled upon some stuff studying Clemson at the time and and kind of made some offensive changes. We did have a very, very good second year. Uh, but, uh, again, it was good to be in the Big Ten. It was a, um, a good opportunity. But kind of like in Indiana, I did find out in the Big Ten where I was in the pecking order, and we had to earn our respect. And uh, it was it was a challenge. It was a very difficult challenge. Now, I think you, you mentioned about having to, to change the offense. That's one thing for which you've developed a reputation is having developed a number of different offensive programs. Isn't that somewhat unusual for a football coach? We all have strengths and weaknesses, whether it be offensive guy, a coach, defensive coach, a skill background, a big guy background. I was lucky in that I was an offensive line person. I played the position, coached the position. And so I'm a little bit offensive oriented, a little bit more in the in the blocking world. And at Miami, we went through a number of quarterback coaches. The first two years, Randy Walker coached it. Then a, a guy by the name of Sean Watson coached it, and Sean since went on. He's now at Louisville, but has been at Nebraska and Colorado. He was at Northwestern with Coach Barnett, was the head coach at Southern Illinois. He left us to be the head coach at Southern. He was there two years. Then Sean Payton came in for two years. You know, He's now, of course, doing great with the Saints. And then Kenny Zampezi came in. He's now coaching with the Bengals. His dad, Ernie Zampezi, was a legendary coach for the Dallas Cowboys and a pro assistant for years. Every two years, we had a quarterback coach. And Going into our ninth year at Miami, we were considering moving a co- internal coach, Aaron Cromer, that's now coaching for the Bears. And it was either going to be him. I went to Coach Walker. I said, Coach, I'm the coordinator. Let me coach the quarterbacks because if they're messed up, I'd rather it be my fault. <laughs> and because I'm in charge of the offense, so let me mess them up instead of blaming someone else. Let's let Aaron. He's really an offensive line coach. Let him take over the line for me. At the time, what that became was a very a good challenge, and it's kind of invigorating. You know, you kind of get in your ruts, routines. You know, in my world, I know my drills. I know the the, the nomenclature, the language, the the teaching progression. And if you're not careful, it can get mundane. You start punching a clock. So now I got to coach quarterbacks, and I knew offense, but I never coached quarterback. Never played quarterback. So how do you do it? I was lucky the first year we had a decent player, a good team. We went ten and one at Miami of Ohio. I go to Northwestern. I continue to coach quarterbacks. So I coach quarterbacks for four years. So now I got this quarterback background, but I'm really an offensive line guy. And with that, I think it gave me a neat little blend of how to understand blocking, but then how to put together the skill package, how to throw the ball, how to get the ball in space, how to manipulate formations, move people around, but also understand what linemen can and can't do. Because if you can't block it, you can't do it. Most line coaches do not understand the skill game. Most skill coaches don't understand the big guy game. My background crossed enough where I got touched enough that I'm, I don't know if I'm good at either one, but I think I match them together pretty good. 
the thing at Northwestern happened, you know, my Bill Hayes, Winston-Salem State, one of his sayings was that necessity is the mother of learning. We really had a good team, a really good quarterback. I had some diversity in my background, and it was kind of luck, and it was necessity. And we just got on a little momentum deal. From there, that job uh, got me a chance to get to Oklahoma. Personnel was different. But what I believe is um, if you're a good football coach or a good coach, um, you know, and I love to golf, I don't think there's one swing. I think there's a bunch of different swings, but you find a way to get the ball lined up and hit the ball in the hole. So I'm a person that believes that I don't have a system as much as I have things that we strongly believe in, and we tweak those things every year to fit the personnel. And as we're going into year three of Indiana, we got to keep tweaking because we got to make some strides. But the offensive deal is out of necessity. It's not out of being smart. It's being smart enough to know what kids can and can't do. I do understand that blocking. I've got a decent background of skill and how to put it all together and, and try to be pretty decent on offense. Oklahoma, at this point, uh, has to be considered a different kind of assignment for you than any other that you've had. Um, Oklahoma's an elite institution, high expectations. Um, did that give you new challenges? Yeah, yeah it did. Um, but, the, I, you know, I go back to those days and, and from Little League through high school and in college, never played on a losing team. You know, I was used to winning. Uh, at Miami, I think we had uh, one team below 500, one or two below 500. You know, I think Randy left us winning as coach. You know, I was lucky. There were some big games at at, uh, at Oklahoma, but the biggest game I ever played was that high school game when Maiden played Bandies. It was the <laughs> it was the biggest game ever. So I was very fortunate. You know, Carolina playing Duke or NC State was a big game. The Miami of Ohio Cincinnati game was a big game. When you're at Northwestern playing Illinois, that was a big game. Of course, you had a chance to play Ohio State or Michigan. So I was lucky. Every place had always had some big games. So was used to winning and. Um, you know, just try tried to be me, but but I thought we could handle the challenge, and we were lucky. It was uh, it was a really good run in Oklahoma. You had one Heisman Trophy winner there, right? Two actually. Jason White won one in two thousand four, and then Bradford two thousand eight. Bradford was your project, would you call him that? Well, really, Chuck uh, Chuck Lone recruited him, and then Josh Heupel uh, personally coached him. And, and Josh Heupel is the current offensive coordinator there. Josh played quarterback, finished second in the Heisman before I was there in 2000. And so Josh is kind of the groomer of it. Now, we kind of put the offense together, the package together, and and work with it. But 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 Josh uh, is really – and really, uh, Sam is one of the, 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 the neatest kids ever to coach. Uh, the work he put in. A very very smart kid, unbelievably smart. I think he. I, I don't know if he made a B in college. If he did, it was one. So it was a, an upper level, um, uh, extremely brilliant, uh, very gifted in a lot of sports, whether it be golf, basketball. He's a great ping pong player. I mean, just very very skilled and hand eye. His accuracy throwing was uncanny, but his work ethic was awesome. I mean, he 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 put more time in our building. And in footwork and in developing his body than maybe anyone. So a combination of a good skill set, an unbelievable work ethic, tremendous intelligence, and uh, maybe one of the neatest kids, a very strong spiritual kid, a, a kid of strong faith. And as a young kid, I tell our, our team this all the time. I share this with my children. One time we were getting ready to play uh, Florida in the national championship, and Tim Tebow had won the Heisman in 2007. Sam had won it in 2008. And we're doing one of the things, and a question came across to, to Sam, uh, compare yourself to Tebow. You know, he won the Heisman, you won the Heisman, he's a little bit more of a runner. You know, how, how do you compare yourself to Tebow? And he goes, I don't compare myself to anyone. I just try to do the best I can. I'm trying to be the best I can. So I'm not trying to be better than anybody else, and I'm not trying to compare myself to anyone Every day, I'm just trying to do the best I can. And I'm listening to a college kid say that, like, wow, that's one of the most mature things. And, again, so he was a special kid, and uh, and, and he himself deserves a lot of credit for the success he had. He also was picked number one in the NFL draft. So he's a great player, great kid. Once you got to Oklahoma, your name started being mentioned from time to time with about various openings. Uh, as I look back through some of the news databases, uh, East Carolina was mentioned, Duke was mentioned, both of which were in your home state. I don't know whether you interviewed for other jobs uh, and you wound up coming to Indiana. And, and uh, why Indiana? Well, and again, I did have an opportunity to interview for some jobs. And I actually shared this experience with um, one of our assistant coaches this past year, a younger coach that was looking at, at a job. And he says, well, I don't know if I want to do it. 
And a couple interviews I interviewed for because, you know, the, the word was, well, you got to learn how to be a good interviewer. So you got to practice it. At the same time, a couple schools that I interviewed with, I, I'm not sure if, if going into it, I really thought I would want to take the job. Didn't know if I wanted to live there. Didn't know if I wanted to raise my family there. And I wasn't sure, even though I was an assistant coach at Oklahoma, if it was really a better job. We had a great run. It was a great time. We were making good money. It was a great place to live, et cetera. And we might mention you were chosen outstanding assistant coach in the nation one of those years. Yeah, uh, yeah, one year, the thing called the, the Broyles Award, yeah. which, is, which is, a, is a pretty neat honor. And um, matter of fact, that you know, I was actually nominated for it one year at Northwestern as one of the finalists. So to to come from two different schools as a finalist and be lucky enough, and, and it wasn't me, it was our group that won the award, just like in the Heisman. It wasn't Sam, it was everybody playing well that gets those kind of awards. So a little bit more of a team accomplishment. But the um, uh, I, I, as I interviewed for a couple of these jobs, when I kind of was maybe – going in my mind as a training deal and I don't know if those are good interviews because I don't know if my passion was into the interview and if I really presented myself so I don't know if any of those interviews ever went well enough so it was never offered a job I did look at some of them and Indiana was really the first job that came came in front of me that I said you know if I could get this one now this would be one I'd like to really get uh, one nine years at Miami I think there's a lot of parallels between Miami and here. Coach Pond having coached here, Coach Hebner having coached here. Uh, I just think there's a lot of similarities in the type of town, the type of school, the region. I uh, knew the area recruiting fairly well. My wife is from, from southwest Ohio, just outside of Cincinnati. Uh, college town. I'm a small town guy. I go to I go to Chapel Hill you know, for seven years. I go to Miami of Ohio for nine years. I got nine years in Norman. Uh, and, and except for the, the Winston-Salem State, A&T, and, and the couple years in, in Chicago, I was kind of in small college towns. So I love the college town environment. Where uh, This might be the uh, uh, the best college town of all those, being the quintessential, you know, uh, classic, beautiful, academic, athletic, sp- school-spirited college town. So uh, there's just a lot of things. You know, my prayers were uh, just you know, I had some kids, make sure I went to the community where I was supposed to raise the kids. Uh, this program might have struggled on paper, but you look at the Big Ten, I saw a lot of teams that it came on the last 20, 30 years where it wasn't just, you know, Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler of the 60s and 70s anymore. We had a good run at Northwestern, uh, won three championships. Uh, I think Purdue was there in 2000. Illinois has got a couple. Um, Iowa's been awfully strong. Wisconsin's won six. Uh, you know, I think most people would say, uh, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, even say Penn State is a strong football program. Yeah, Penn State's last championship is in 94. You know, so you're pushing 20 years. So there's a lot of balance in the Big Ten. A lot of teams have done well. I just felt the way that where, where we were located, I thought the school, Owen, was making a commitment financially that we could do well. And, um, shoot, I was getting ready to be 50. Had had a run as assistant. It was time to make the next step. And just felt very comfortable with the region, the state, and the potential. And was excited to be here and get going. One of the big challenges these days of being a head coach is you're like a CEO. I can remember days when football staff was maybe five assistant coaches. And now you've got an entire team of people who is helping run the team. Is that something difficult to learn? Uh, well, it is difficult to learn. And it's, I mean, say, when, by the time you go through with your football players in excess of 100, and then you put your student managers, trainers out there, your video people that help you, then your full-time staff, your administrators, your academic support, uh, administrative support, secretarial, you name it. You know, we're pushing 200 people probably in the organization, if not 230, that, that touch our players on a weekly and daily basis. It is a lot to manage. And I think the, the first year one, you know, you're at a place where, you know, you inherit people, certain people you're going to, quote, keep, some new people you're bringing in. But it's getting everyone on the same page. The first thing, the first year was trying to get the team on on the same page, and uh, a little bit of a little bit of a bucking heads the first year. But I think as we held pretty steady to what our standard was, the kids figured it out and either got on board or didn't. I don't know if I did a really good job as the CEO with the perimeter people because we were really concentrating on the team. But last year we worked a lot on the perimeter people, and here's what we're looking for in video or in the training room or in the equipment room, and, and how to complement and be a, 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 a viable part of what we're doing. Because to me, Owen, collectively, we're all part of our success, or so we're all part of the failure. You know, it's not just the guy that called the play that, that makes the, the, the game win or lose, and it's just not the players. It's, uh, you know, when, when you come in on recruiting visits, it's presentation that gets those kids wanting to come. When you're writing letters, when you're greeting someone at the door, when you're answering the phone, 
There's all kinds of things that give a positive vibe to your organization. Year two was spent a little bit more. Year one was trying to get the team right, and it was a bit of a struggle, and the success wasn't there, but I think we laid a foundation. The second year, I got a little bit more into kind of dealing with the, with the, the support personnel. First year, it was a little bit more football. Now we're going into year three. I'm trying to get back a little bit more to the football side because I think I think our employees understand their roles, their standards, what we expect, and how we want them to operate as we move forward. Because, again, if we're going to be successful, it's not me and it's not the players. It's our whole group that's going to make this thing a consistent winning program. So I think we've laid a standard. And if I'm a good CEO, I'm going to have have things in place where I'm going to kind of get out of the way and get back to doing what I do best, which is coaching football, managing the whole deal, but not micromanaging. Managing an organization where guys understand their jobs, understand their roles, hold those guys to standards, have checks and balances to make sure they're doing their jobs, but then really come back to being a little bit more of a football coach. And that's when you get it figured out and you're doing well, that's, that's I think, what the good coaches do. They have the right people in place, the right people doing their jobs, and they can get back to that football world a little bit more. So I'm excited for year three to see if I can – get a little bit more back into that football side of things. One of the challenges that you face, although I guess it's not part of your job responsibility, is the culture around football games. Uh, Fans, including students, don't necessarily expect winning teams, and they're looking to football more as a kind of uh, experience for having a good time. What can you do to to deal with that? Well, one, we got to play well and win. You know, I do think we do have, you know, strong fans that, uh, um, you know, are supported. But, you know, it's easier to support a winner, you know, and everybody says, well, you got to win. I, you know, I look at last year, um, you know, in our home games, uh, you know, we win a couple here at home and we lose a game by uh, two, three and four points. And we're playing very, very competitive ball. And we've got games going down the wire where you think you would, you know, you're seeing a pretty good, you know, pretty good game or scoring points. It's not very boring. Got to get our defense to continue to play better, and we got to get our offense to play great. Um, it, but it, but it, it is a concern. It's it's a defeatist attitude. It hurts recruiting. Uh, it hurts uh, confidence with the team. It's and so, you know, you don't fight it uh, uh, publicly, but you don't accept it. Uh, so you got to pick your spots. I mean, you know, bottom line, we still have to win games. It is a lot easier to win when the fans are behind you. You know, our passion uh, here is basketball. Um, which is great. And being a Carolina guy, I'm I'm good with that. I'm, I'm used to that, and and got no problem with that. Like I say, uh, uh, love basketball myself. So, uh, um, but as, as our basketball team has has had some struggles, our fan base didn't struggle, and I think a, there's many reasons why basketball has came back so strong. One financial commitment with Cook Hall, two great coaching with Coach Green and staff, and some great recruiting, but our expectation from the fans and. So it, it, it would be easier if we had greater fan expectation. It is what it is. Bottom line is we just got to find some ways to get our kids to play well enough to get the people in the stands. We've got, some, again, our administration, Owen, are doing some things to try to make our environment game day even stronger for in the arena, uh, whether it be replays we're playing or, or Wi-Fi and, 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 and presentation of music and halftime or graphics, you name it. But uh, – if we win, their fans will come. Uh, I do think this is a huge year for us. So we're going to plead in a positive way for those fans to get to not not buy tickets and come to the tailgate, but come into the stadium, make a difference, get loud. At a basketball game, if if we're shooting a free throw, you can hear a pin drop. But when we're playing Michigan State and it's on the line, you you can't talk to the person beside you in the arena because of of the of, of trying to make a difference. With eight home games this year, going from year at the transitioning this year from year three to four, you even want stronger recruiting class and more momentum. I think whatever we can do to get our fans to be better this year will help this season. And I think this is year we can kind of flip ourselves into maybe starting having the program that the school deserves. But um, it'd be a lot easier with our fan base, and we're going to ask them hard to jump on with us and be a little bit stronger for us this year. Hope they will be. One of the the, the challenges is teams get better at at IU is perhaps the players are going to have higher expectations of being stars, that sort of thing. How do you deal with the psychology of keeping um, their heads on straight? Uh, great question. And, and actually, we, we haven't got to that point. But as you move forward, you, you're thinking of that. Um, when you talk about expectations and when, when we talk fans, 
you know, I, I want our fans to have higher expectations. Expect us to win. Expect us to play well. Expect us to be strong. Expect us to, you know, there's an expectation level you want. As your players and team starts winning, it still goes back to the process of preparation, being a good student, being a good kid, being a good citizen, working hard, not going out to play. I believe short term we've laid a foundation where we're going to have success. The key to being a good program is repeating that process, staying humble, coming back to work. I will say this, the the one standard of our program is the better the player, the higher the standard. So there's not any breaks cut for being a starter or a superstar where there's, you know, we communicate differently to people, but the standard is the same. And actually, if you're a better player, the standard is higher. So as we have success, we will inch that bar up with our expectation level, whether it be class attendance, class performance, weight room performance, the way you're doing things off the field. So again, you got to be pretty consistent in those ways. Oh, and this team, short term, I think is going to start to to move in a positive direction. But I think the key to building our program is how to handle success. And to me, it starts with me as a coach and our assistant coaches and our team leaders to continue to fester this, come to work every day. It's a process. You're never going to be perfect. You're never going to be as good as you're wanting to be. My goal for this team this year is to be as good as it can be. Not to be a bowl team, not to win X games, not to just you know beat Purdue and get the bucket back or any any. It's to be as good as it can be, and I think the potential of this team is we can win a lot more games than a lot of people think. And so once that happens, how do we repeat that process? So that's the magic potion. That's the magic question. I think our process though works. I believe it's going to short term work into victory, and as long as we keep our heads on straight keep our standards straight, and as coaches and leaders keep handling that process properly, hopefully we can continue to flip that. And that's what's happened at Iowa, Wisconsin, Kansas State, Northwestern's doing it now. And, again, we'll have success. The key to to being a good program is handling it and continue to move forward because even when we have success, Owen, it's not going to be that good. We want to keep reaching for more and working for more. Indiana high school football's taken off. The commitment to the school's taken off. We need our program values and our players to start performing to again get the W's, start getting the fan excitement, start getting the energy, start getting the vibe for football. And if we do, there's a lot of money in our sport and a lot of popularity in our sport. And even though it's not been our true passion for our, our this institution, if if we can do our end of the deal, it's going to just help so much academically, admissions, financially, development for our school, for the IU Foundation, you name it, our school will continue to prosper as this football team prospers in the years to come. One question that's perhaps a bit challenging. Do you find it difficult to deal with uh, sports writers, sports reporters? No, they've got a uh, – it's a part of their job. You know, I, I, I think I think to me you want a little um, uh, mutual respect, you know, in the way things are done. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I mean I believe in freedom of speech. I believe you can – you know, I don't believe in off the record. Uh, but you kind of like facts. And, you know, I, I think a lot of our writers are really kind of Indiana fans because they're from this region and they, they have a passion for our school. And that being said, because they're Indiana fans on the football side of things, there's the pessimism, the negativity, and it can sometimes get into the writing or the language or the tone. And, you know, when you're sitting here and you're trying to recruit your region, recruit your state, you want positive vibe. Now, again, the more you win, the better the play, the better the vibe. But again, you just hope that they treat you fairly, treat you honestly. And again, I've never not turned down a question or turned down an interview. And and uh, they it's it's a it's a part of what we do. And and uh, like I say, moving forward, I, I I hope we can they'll continue to be a, a a positive part of what we do in branding IU football. What would you like them to write when you finish your career at Indiana? What would you like your legacy to be at IU? That we that we set a standard of of doing things the right way and having winning football. You know, our kids are going. We're going to go to class. We're going to work hard. Uh, we we it's we have certain things that are non negotiable. We're going to recruit good kids. But ultimately, this 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 school, this institution deserves a winning football program. And you can't hope for that to happen. You have to make it happen. You do it with again a standard, a work ethic, and you do not waver from that. So at the end. Uh, you know, I hope people are going to look back. Well, I know people are going to look back and say, you know, this group came in as a coaching staff and set a standard for excellence that parallels this school. Because I don't believe when you're at a place like this that 
there's reasons why you're good in certain things and not in this school is too good at too many things. And I believe the commitment from the administration and from, from Fred Glass is you're seeing it with a lot of sports. You know, this baseball run is, is, is not an accident. There's a commitment with that facility. They've been recruiting to it, and Tracy's a great coach. Basketball at IU. you got a tradition. you got a commitment with their facility. Same thing with track and field. Same thing with soccer, you know, swimming. I mean, we are very, very blessed. We made a commitment to football several years ago. And that commitment also timed up with the tragedy of Terry Hepner's passing. And I think it lulled us a couple years of recruiting for Coach Hepner's last year or so. And then Coach Lynch's first year when he was interim, where recruiting hit a lull due to a tragedy. But the commitment of this school to support our athletic programs, you've seen some take off. And if we do our end, I think everything's in place where football should take off. And again, we should have a program that parallels this school. And I believe this is a great school. And I think hopefully they're going to look back and say that we kind of laid a foundation for this football program to start paralleling the school. That brings us to the conclusion of this conversation. Our guest today has been IU head football coach Kevin Wilson. Kevin, thanks for being here. Thank you, Juan. Appreciate it. To our listeners, we're pleased you joined us. And we close with more music chosen by Kevin. For WFIU, I'm Owen Johnson. In my mind, I'm gone to Carolina. Can't you see the sunshine? Can't you just feel the moonshine? Ain't it just like a friend of mine to hit me from behind? Guess I'm gone to Carolina in my mind. Karen, she's a silver sun, your best walker Watch it shining Watch her watch the morning come A silver tear appearing now I'm crying, ain't I? Gone to Carolina in my mind There ain't no doubt in no one's mind The program you just heard was recorded in July of 2013. Production support for Profiles comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922, with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Copies of this or other programs can be obtained by calling 812-855-1357. Information about profiles, including archives of past shows, can be found on our website, wfiu.org. Profiles is a production of WFIU and comes from the studios at Indiana University. James Gray is the producer. The studio engineer and radio audio director is Michael Paskash. Please join us again for the next edition of Profiles. For WFIU, thanks for listening.